Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Dee Bowers of Exposing Truth Ministries in Houston, Texas. Our ministry's mission is exposing the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. I want to share a message concerning the subject that has been debated for centuries. The subject is women in ministry. I can't tell you the number of times I have heard women say, My church won't let me preach, teach, or pray for people. They don't have a problem with me serving in the kitchen or cleaning the church, but ministering the needs to others is strictly for men. Many churches and church denominations have used the words of the Apostle Paul to prohibit women from serving as church leaders. Although the Bible says we are all one in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, a slave or free man, or male or female, we are all one. There are many biblical stories of women leaders and teachers, but there are two passages still being used to exclude women from answering their call from the Lord. Many of the men that prohibit women from ministry were taught this false doctrine or these interpretations in seminary. Basically, Paul says in the word of God that he did not allow women to speak in the church and he did not allow women to teach men. I have read the scriptures Many, many times, but I never gave them much weight because I knew about the women heroes and leaders of the Bible. But it wasn't until I was personally told by a man that I needed to sit down and be quiet because that is my role that I decided to take that text and study it for myself. I wanted to be able to respond with biblical text and culture rather than my opinion. Although sexism and misogyny exist all over the world, this country and others have produced many anointed female pastors and leaders. But it is truly amazing that women still are being prevented from answering their call. Not just from the older, mature Christian leaders, but also from the young here in the United States of America. I recently visited a church in my neighborhood where the majority of the congregation was under 45. I was very excited to find a church close to home where the pastor's message really resonated in my spirit. I looked around the church and noticed all men in the front and the women were ushers or singers in the choir. I then attended the weekly Bible study and noticed the pastor's wife sat in the back of the church. I thought that was a little unusual, but I decided to ask some of the attendees about the church structure and the staff, and I was told that there were only men on staff And women were taught that they had no place in leadership. I was interested in a church home. So as a minister who teach men and women, I sent the pastor an email asking about the roles of women in his church. 
The 40 or something year old pastor sent me the passages where Paul told the women that they are to remain quiet and are not to teach men. Of course, I replied and sent him scripture to address his opinion, but he only wanted to discuss the two passages of Paul, meaning I could not minister or be a member of leadership at his church. To be honest, I was shocked hearing this from a young pastor, a teacher and an influencer of young minds. I thought just how much more this church could grow and be blessed if the pastor valued the women as Jesus did. After my communications with the young pastor, I made it my mission to understand why Paul would exclude women given that Jesus used women in his ministry. What I learned is too important not to share. Before we break down the two passages of Paul, I want to remind you or share the attitudes about women before and during the time of Jesus and also what Jesus thought of women. It is important to fully understand that churches that teach this doctrine are ignoring the entire Bible in order to maintain misogynistic attitudes. A question that I cannot answer is, what are these church leaders afraid of? In the Old Testament, a woman's behavior and freedom was extremely limited. Unmarried women were not allowed to leave the home of their father without permission. Women had little or no authority. Women could not appear in public venues and could not talk to strangers. They had to be veiled when leaving the home. They were considered inferior to men and treated as cattle or property. Women were singled out for special punishments. For example, a bride that had been presented as a virgin but could not prove to be one was to be stoned to death by the men in her village. Women were subjected to special tests that could be administered by the husband to prove or disprove adultery. These two laws are extremely difficult for me to attribute to God. I will not try to explain why God allowed women to be treated harshly because I simply don't know. I always tell new believers to read the New Testament before the old. Although the Old Testament may turn one's stomach concerning women, it gives us many examples where women were leaders, heroes, and teachers of both men and women. When we hear about women in the Old Testament, it is usually about women in non-leadership roles. Let me give you a few examples. There is the story of Rachel and Leah, the two sisters competing for the affections of the same man. His name was Jacob. Then there is Ruth and Naomi, the daughter-in-law and mother-in-law who both lost their spouses and ended up seeking a husband in order to survive. Also, there's the story of Tamar, the widow, 
who was not given to her brother-in-law as a wife. She was not treated as the law stated, and she ended up deceiving her father-in-law so that he could take care of her. And of course, we hear a lot about Sarah, who carried a baby at the right age of 90. But what about leaders and heroes? Some of these women were not known to me until I studied the word for myself. They were not even mentioned in my church. Let's look at three of those heroes or leaders. God chose Deborah to be a prophetess and a judge. The people came to her to have their disputes decided. She was a civil leader, and as a prophetess, she gave orders from God to the male leaders of the Israel army. God gave this woman authority over men, an authority that was both religious and civil. She was over all of Israel and rallied the army of Israel to victory over all of their enemies, who were the Canaanites. Then there's Hilda, the prophetess. God used her to give authoritative words to Hilkiah, the priest, and other men. She had spiritual authority, and the Lord spoke to her as his other male prophets. And what about Esther? You may have heard the story of how Esther saved the Jews from extermination. But not that during that time of exile, she became queen over Persia. There are many other female heroes in the Old Testament, but little is taught about them. If God truly believed females were not to lead and had no spiritual authority, why would he use women in the same roles as men? When Jesus came, he liberated women as much as the culture could handle. In the time of Jesus' ministry, women were still regarded as subordinate and inferior in virtually every area of life. They had to be submissive to all men and not just their husbands. They were to remain at home, be good wives and good mothers. The women were so ostracized that the men actually recited a prayer in which they thanked God that they were not born women. A Jewish rabbi would not even speak to his own wife in public. Jewish women were barred from public speaking. The oral law prohibited women from reading the Hebrew Bible out loud. Synagogue worship was segregated and the women never allowed to be heard in that setting. Women could not be taught the Bible or have any type of education. Men virtually kept their wives under lock and key. The women had the social status of a slave. Even girls were not allowed to attend school. Jesus treated women with more respect than was common in that culture. And women had important roles in his ministry, traveling with him and providing for him. Jesus did not try to correct every social wrong. 
it would have been nearly impossible for women to function completely as apostles in that culture at that time. Let's look at some of the examples of how Jesus valued women. I'm sure everyone thought Joseph could have been the first to be told about the Messiah. But it was Mary. She was the first to know about the Messiah being born. A woman was the first person Jesus revealed himself to as the son of God. And she was a Samaritan woman, the lowest of all mankind to Jews. Not only was she the first told, but I think it's worth noting that the conversation he had with this woman was the longest that he had had with any other people other than his disciples. What he did was a cultural taboo because Jewish men were not allowed to speak to women in public. Not only did he speak to her, but he shared a drink of water with the unclean woman. I am sure this was very and highly offensive to the cultural values during that time. In the Bible, there is the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. The woman was captured and thrown down in the dirt at the feet of Jesus. He did not shame her or make her sin greater than anybody else's sin. The law at that time was to stone a woman, but instead Jesus forgave her and told her not to sin anymore. Then he looked at her accusers and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Of course, none could throw that stone because they were all sinful. And there's the story about a woman actually touching a man in public. This woman had an issue with blood for 12 years and no one could heal her. And she did something that women were not allowed to do. She actually reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus did not respond with frustration. No, he touched her in return, praised her face and healed her. When Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath, that had a demon for 18 years, he called her a daughter of Abraham. The Jews were accustomed to the phrase sons of Abraham, but had never heard a woman being given any recognition like that. Jesus actually praised the women for wanting to learn. He defended Mary when she lavishly anointed his feet with expensive perfume. He allowed Mary to sit at his feet, a position of a disciple when Jesus taught. He commended her for wanting to learn when others felt she should be in the kitchen cooking. And of course, also, we have all heard about the woman, Mary Madeline. She was the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection. All of this was a really big deal because in first century, the Jewish women were rarely, if ever, allowed to be among teachers of the law the way Jesus allowed the women in his ranks. He allowed them to join him in his travels 
He allowed them to study. He encouraged them to study. Something the culture just could not handle and they regarded as scandalous. And if this was not scandalous enough, he allowed a woman who wished to hear his teaching sit at his feet, taking a position or a posture that was normally reserved for disciples. And yes, not only were women valued by Jesus, but he had women disciples. When Jesus journeyed from village to village, preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, he had women who joined the 12 disciples. Before Pentecost, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the promise to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Many people do not realize that women were among those waiting in that upper room for the promise. I personally had never heard about the women until I read it for myself. Peter tells us in Acts that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, men and women will prophesy. This was a radical thing in the first century. He included women. The first church in a Roman colony was started by a river where women gathered every Sabbath to learn about the Torah and Jesus. When a woman named Lydia took the meeting to her home, people were really, really upset about it. Because having a a church in the home meant that that person was a pastor or an elder in the church. And really, there's actually no mention of her ever having a husband. She was a female pastor, even though that term was not used in those days. In spite of the cultural stigma against women in positions of authority, there are more examples of female prophets than male prophets in the New Testament. For example, the book of Acts mentions that the four daughters of Philip, the evangelist, were known for their gifts of prophecy. Early Christians considered prophecy one of the highest. Some argue that it was the highest position in the church. The book of Romans mentions several examples of women in leadership roles. There was Phoebe. She was a deacon. Then there was Priscilla. She was a teacher who taught men with her husband. Then there was Juna, a minister and a missionary. And she was called outstanding among all of Paul's apostles. Okay, now that we have identified the culture and the fact that women were in leadership and ministry roles in the Old and the New Testament, let's look at exactly what Paul said so matter-of-fact that caused pastors and church leaders in the 21st century to still ostracize women. But first, I want to clarify something that's pretty much ignored in the Bible about Paul and his statements. When Paul spoke of women being quiet in the church, that edict was not a general rule for women. This was not spoken in a church setting or a teaching session, but with letters that Paul sent to Corinth and Ephesus. Why? 
because there were many problems that needed to be corrected in those churches. One of the passages was sent to the church of Corinth, and it is in 1 Corinthians. They had many problems occurring, and Paul could not attend to them personally. I would like to highlight five of the problems. There were all kinds of ethnic backgrounds in this city. It was a mix of Greek, Roman, and Oriental. There was very little understanding of this new religion called Christianity. Remember, these were Gentiles, and they were accustomed to worshiping pagan gods. Everybody bought in their own religious beliefs, which went against the beliefs of Christianity. The women were the most aggressive with their beliefs because now they could speak. Another problem was Corinth was the home of the temple of Aphrodite. She was supposed to be the goddess of sensual love and pleasure. It's been said that 1,000 temple prostitutes served that temple every day. The people could not or would not detach themselves from the world they lived in before they were introduced to Jesus. They were bringing the world into the church. The women were criticized for the way they dressed, the way they spoke, and their sexual attitudes and practices. And of course, the idolatry that they exhibited worshiping pagan gods. The city, the people, and the problems the Corinthian church had were not unlike some of the problems we have in the world today. The fourth problem I want to mention is the members of the Corinthian church were disunited because they were pledging their alliances with human leaders rather than with God. And lastly, there was a chasm between the rich and the poor. These two groups did not socialize together, and of course, they did not get along. In 1 Timothy, we have the letter written to Ephesus because of the same type of problems. The people worshiped Diana, who was the daughter of Zeus. Diana was a fertility goddess that drew pilgrimages from all over the world. Diana was said to have fallen from the sky, but in reality, it was a meteorite that fell and was eventually encased in the entrance to the temple. In Ephesus, there was also the assembly, and they were a group of former pagans who worshipped Artemis. Artemis was also a daughter of Zeus, and she was the protector during childbirth. This religion taught that Eve came before Adam and that she conceived him. This cult would emasculate men by making them eunuchs, removing their reproductive organs, and then the women would be dominant over them, sacrificing these men to the pagan goddess Diana and Artemis. This church had issues with false prophets and false doctrines. And the young widows were accused of many of the doctrine issues, spreading their ideas and beliefs. Christianity was mixed together with other religions. 
the Jews and the Gentile converts had a difficult time living together in peace. They, they came from widely different cultures and had widely different religious practices. Again, remember, these were Gentile area churches. And these people were not Jews who grew up learning the Torah and was learning about the Lord. They had pagan gods that they had to get past. So Paul had to come up with a solution to these problems. Let's discuss what he said and if it applies to our culture today. And not just if it applies to our culture today. Why do men still use these passages to discriminate against women in ministry? Let's look at the first one. First Corinthians 1434 says, The women are to keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but are subject themselves, just as the law says. Okay, this scripture says the law requires women to be quiet. Now get this, the law of Moses nor the Ten Commandments had no such requirement. The law Paul was talking about was written in the book of Talmud, which was the Jewish law written by the Hebrew leaders. And of course, there were many laws written back in the day to keep women subservient to men. If you check some of the commentaries on this verse, the law that is mentioned is actually Genesis 3.16, where God told women that their husbands would rule over them. The commentators knew there was no such specific law, so they chose to use Genesis, which actually says that a husband rules over his wife. It does not say men can rule over all women. Also, Paul could not have uh, meant silence for the women under all circumstances because earlier in the same letter, he acknowledged that women could pray and prophesy in church and that prophecy ranked higher than teaching. Verse 35 says, if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Remember, prior to Jesus, women could not be taught anything. Paul understood it was time for the woman to be taught the Torah or the Bible. The excitement of learning and being taught caused disruption in the church with their many questions. Paul asked that the married women ask their husbands at home. The issue was about self-control. They were speaking over their husbands. In today's setting, the proponents of sit down and be quiet usually allow women to teach everyone in other countries as missionaries and at the church home to the children. They have taken this passage to a whole different level. What they're really saying is that it is okay to teach men elsewhere, but not at home. Also, during the days of Paul, a young man of the age of 12 was considered a man. 
but it is fine if a woman teaches young men in today's culture. Now let's look at what was said in first Timothy. First Timothy two, eight says, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Verse nine. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. Verse 10. But rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. I fully understand the statement about women dressed improperly. Because most pagan women back then dressed to seduce the men. Even in today's society, some women dress improperly in the Lord's house. I don't know of any churches that prohibit women from braiding their hair. But in that culture, braided hair was considered seductive and was usually associated with prostitution. Also, I don't know of any churches that do not allow the women to wear gold, pearls, or costly garments. Verse 11 says, A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. In verse 12, But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. I don't know if you picked up on these verses, but Paul speaks and he uses the word I. It was his edict, not Jesus. So let's think about this. If we're going to interpret these verses literally and apply them consistently, not only should women not teach or have authority, but we should not allow women to ask questions in church. Women should learn scripture from their husbands. We should not allow women to braid their hair. We should not allow women to wear pearls or gold. And we should not allow women to wear expensive clothes in church. So why did Paul contradict himself and contradict Jesus? Well, after I finished my research, I understood the situation Paul was in. The two letters were necessary to bring order in Corinth and Ephesus. Paul told the women to sit down and be quiet because their behavior was disruptive to the church. He contradicted his own actions and words in other books of the Bible. I understood that these passages were cultural and were written to correct a problem. So let's be honest. If it were not for those two passages in scripture being perversely used out of context, there is nothing left to fuel this debate over women leadership other than pure sexism, misogyny, and men fearing a loss of power to women. The Lord has given his gifts to men and women. And if he can have a donkey to speak his word, (laughs) need I say more? 
I pray that this podcast has blessed you and opened your eyes to one of the many false doctrines being taught. Continue to join us as we expose more of the lies of Satan and the truth of God's word. If you would like to receive teachings, emails, and notifications, go to our website at www.exposingtruth.org. Subscribe and like our podcast. We also ask that you support this ministry. Deliverance Ministries are not supported by traditional grant organizations, nor by those that don't believe. Stay awake and informed and keep us alive through your support. Again, this is Pastor D. Bowers with the Exposing Truth Ministry.